Whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you may be doing, we wish to thank you for joining us for this episode of Just Another Conspiracy Show with your host, Jeff Williams. Well, yet again this week, we are treated to a reminder of the Cold War. In Britain, Sergei Skripal, and I do apologize if I'm mispronouncing his name, is a former British double agent that was attacked with a VX-style compound. Now, a VX compound is a particular type of nerve gas that can be absorbed through the skin, through the air. It is really quite potent. And it basically paralyzes the immune systems, make you, makes you spasm so hard, you can break body parts, and of course, you eventually choke on your own vomit. But that's not really what we're focused on at the moment. You see, Sergei Skripal was a double agent. I've never liked the term double agent. It's always very confusing. When you think of a double agent, you always think, which side were they really on? Now, Sergei Skripal happened to be working ultimately for the British. At least, that's the official story. <coughs> he was a Russian in person, who was supposedly a Russian secret agent that was secretly bought off by the British and used to spy on the Soviet intelligence network. To me, that's a traitor, but whatever it might be, they call that a double agent. So, person who's supposed to be spying for one sp side is really spying for the other. Now, this is almost a James Bond type event, because e it even involves MI6, the British Secret Service equivalent of the CIA. And in this place, there was an alleged usage of chemical weapons. Now, of course, the Russians insist they had nothing to do with it, which any rational nation would do. But this is more and more a common method of operation. In 2016, Syria supposedly used chemical weapons against one of the towns that was involved in the insurgency. Syria, of course, immediately insisted that they had no such weapons and had them all removed. It's very peculiar how nations are losing track of their chemical weapons arsenals. Now, normally this spy versus spy game wouldn't indicate anything significant, but it does mark the second time in the past 16 years that a former agent has been assassinated on British soil. In 2006, Alexander Litvino, and again, I apologize for mispronouncing these names, he was assassinated when a radioactive compound was added into his tea. How British is that, to have poison tea served to you? But that's what I mean about the James Bond aspect. These things are meant to attract your attention just as much as the latest movie blockbuster. The Illuminati wants you to know they're killing off their spare parts that no longer serve any purpose. Now those who knew, knew Sergei Skripal insisted he was a cordial gentleman who had simple tastes, like Polish sausage. 
But, as we've mentioned before on just another conspiracy show, when you are the gray man, you want to hide anything suspicious from the population. You want to appear, your perfect cover is to appear as just another person going about their daily life, to fade into the background. <coughs> now, with this chemical weapon attack on one of their citizens, what does the British government choose to do to protest? Well, they're threatening to boycott the FIFA tournament for soccer in Russia. Yes, one of your agents gets sacrificed. Well, he's not dead right now. He's in critical condition along with his daughter and a policeman in what is obviously a targeted attempt to take someone out and you refuse to play soccer with that person. That does not seem a proportionate response at all. Now, while I'm not advocating a revenge spree and multiple killings, once again, the James Bond's Jason Bourne scenario, what I'm saying is this is a completely ridiculous way to respond to an assassination attempt. I mean, if the biggest threat is to not play soccer with Russia, I mean, it's almost comical. I mean, ima just imagine yourself in that situation. Would you care one iota about what the soccer team is doing? No. You would want the investigation to continue, and you'd want to find out who really was responsible. But, since the Russians insist they have nothing to do with it, let's take a moment to consider their point of view. They claim the British were content to kill Sergei Skripal themselves and used a Russian compound in order to frame the Russians. In other words, the British somehow stole what is exclusively a Russian chemical weapon, which they can identify by its signature, and used it to kill off one of their own agents. This initially seems like a rather specious conspiracy by the Russians. After all, why did the British kill off an agent that they had traded spies for? A couple years back, the United States, United Kingdom, Russia, they all trade spies. It's part of the, it's part of the international game of politics. They all know each other as spying, so you trade a few back and forth. But if Sergei Skripal was truly past his usefulness to the British government, why would they have traded for him in the first place? They could have simply allowed him and his family to rot and never be heard of again. But they went through the time and expense not only to repatriate him or patriate him to British soil and bring his family over. <coughs> so it seems rather odd that they would have a, or to go to the time and effort to use a Russian chemical weapon to disable this man, possibly kill him, when they could have easily had him beaten up by thugs, which would not have raised an eyebrow in the British world, or assassinated by any other means. The more peculiar thing is that Russian nerve gas in particular is supposed to be much more potent than sarin gas. Now, sarin gas, also known as VX, is the same gas that was used in the Tokyo subway bombing. Now, while in the Tokyo subway bombing, it was somewhat botched and some people died, some people survived, a directly targeted chemical weapons attack against Sergei Skripal and his daughter did not result in fatalities. Both of them survived. 
Admittedly, they're in critical condition, but they've survived a direct nerve gas attack that even injured a police officer that was attending the scene. Just by him touching them, he was put into critical condition. He's in slightly better condition than Sergei and his daughter, but it shows this was almost a completely ineffective assassination attempt. Why, if you went to all the trouble to acquire this nerve gas and use it, would it fail? I mean, one teaspoon of this stuff hits the floor, it's lethal up to a hundred feet. And this stuff is five times more potent than what we know of, or at least that's what is claimed. So how could such an assassination attempt fail? Well, precisely because it's there to inspire fear. The British have fear because they can no longer protect their agents who are supposed to be protected by MI5 and MI6. And there's another interesting fact that the Russians are indirectly pointing out. You see, the British have this weird habit of having people that they're supposed to be watching go missing, or worse. Between 1982 and 1990, 25 British-based Marconi scientists and engineers who were working on the Stingray Torpedo Project, which was a United States Strategic Defense Initiative project, better known as Star Wars, all died under mysterious circumstances. So the British seem to be very effective at losing track of where their most valuable assets are. Spies, scientists, people in the black budget world are not safe from whoever seems to be stalking these targets. Now, as we covered earlier, a million people go missing each year on North American soil. So this would initially appear to be a very small amount of the population, only 27 individuals with the two spies and the various people going missing. However, this small population, or so this small percentage was incredibly valued valuable, out of proportion to the rest, not only to their British homeland, but these are also people cleared to participate in foreign operations, in the spies case, being cleared to operate behind enemy lines and privy to extremely valuable intelligence information, and in the scientist case, people cleared to work within the top ranks of US scientific fields. So not only did the United Kingdom's intelligence network to know where their citizens were and what they were doing, the United States, who was also watching these foreign nationals working within their company borders, was completely unable to protect them. Now, these are the best of the best, the elite, if you want to call them that, of minds, spies. These are diamonds that you would want to protect at all costs. And if you have a diamond, you would always know where it was. But despite two nations tracking them and multiple security services within those nations, the United States has their plethora, the United Kingdom has lots of security service from the police all the way up to their organizations we probably don't even know exist yet, those people were still made to go away. Now, across the, across the Atlantic Ocean here, the CIA and FBI are frequently mocked for their incompetence, but the fact is people don't go missing without a reason. It's highly likely these people just decided to up and disappear and wind up either dead or completely missing. 
more than likely they were taken somewhere. Now, this leads me to believe that there's a possibility that the Russians are correct, and they had nothing to do with the assassinations and disappearances. This would raise a rather alarming possibility, because that would mean there's someone higher up, someone who would be able to use scientists and use spies, and but would also want people who has too many questions taken care of and gotten out of the way. And that is the method of operation of the Illuminati. <coughs> they would they manage to make people who benefit benefit them either serve them or go away. Quite likely, these people were offered a choice. They could come on board with the hidden ones and serve the criminal globalist elite, or else they would never be heard from again. As the double agents show, both Alexander and Sergei. The Illuminati has quite effective ways of eliminating people who are not on board with them. A uh, very inconspicuous bit of tea can kill you. Walking in a public place, you can simply be taken out. And we've seen in the past how they're easily able to manipulate stars and celebrity into overdoses and shattering their careers. So you might not even have to run into somebody you might take a few extra drugs or say something at the wrong place and have it blown way out of what you anticipated. We've also seen that the Illuminati is fully capable and willing to use weapons so dangerous that they were banned by the Geneva Convention. And they are willing to use these weapons to conduct assassinations. <coughs> this means that a weapon of mass destruction, which is exactly what VX gas and its derivatives are considered, is being used to target individual people. There have been conspiracy theories floating around for years about fluoride, which is added to almost everybody's drinking water. Now, putting everything aside, fluoride is ultimately a byproduct of nuclear reactors and certain parts of it per million of water is considered safe for drinking. But when you think about it, radiation builds up over time. Everybody accumulates a certain amount of radiation from the sun, and it's not a big deal. However, if you go for multiple chest x-rays, eventually the doctors have to shield themselves, and you can only take a certain number of x-rays before you yourself will start succumbing to radiation side effects. So, if the Illuminati wanted, they could very easily add chemical compounds in small enough doses into your tea, or even in a public place, and make sure that certain people got the lethal dose and other people didn't. So it's not really a big deal for them to make people disappear, either through killing them or through simply having their bodies vanish, as we have documented before on just another conspiracy show. Another way for them to make people disappear is well known, at least in the Western Hemisphere. The USA, among many other countries, have become experts in giving people new identities, usually under the Witness Protection Program. Now, this is usually reserved for people who have witnessed a horrible crime, but it absolutely takes place in espionage all the time. 
I'm sure there's other cases where somebody might want a new identity. And we do know there are criminal organizations that specialize in taking away your old life and giving you a new one. I'm not sure what the fee is precisely, but it is well documented it is possible. So if a government can do it by itself, how much more effective would a multinational organization with no ties to any government be? They'd be able to switch a person's information without conducting surgery and using their abilities and their connections with, with governments completely change what a person could be. Even worse, a person could be reduced to a non-person. They would be erased from history. Damnatio memoriae would be the Italian expression. Now, there's several ways a person could be rendered a non-person. Now, having your identity destroyed would effectively, effectively erase you from even the most intensive government searches. You would still physically exist. Your family would remember you, but if you had disappeared and your identity had been destroyed, for all intents and purposes, you'd become a non-person. You'd become, in essence, part of the international slave trade because you would no longer be considered a human, you'd just be considered a body. As I documented in the past few weeks, there is growing traffic in the human slave trade. And in the state of Washington, USA, they've actually made the problem much worse by approving what was a bill with the best intentions. They've allowed unlimited surrogacy, which means any woman can sell the services, services of her womb to anyone without regulation. Now, this was done with the intention of allowing parents who are unable to conceive to have access to fertile females, and that in itself is a laudable idea. After all, the, the, current, uh, the current laws, the way they're structured, have too many barriers in place, and most people find it quite difficult to, loop th to jump through those hoops. And while the state of Washington was putting their legislation into place, they did not include any riders to protect the mother, to protect the child, even after they are born. Whatever the contract is, let's just use a random figure of $50,000 for a woman to give birth to a child, whoever paid that $50,000 would be able to have that child, that, that identity. And that child could very well become a ward of another country, another person, whoever it might be. So it would theoretically be perfectly legal for a woman to contract her body out to any number of genetic research facilities or even offshore companies who do not need to obey any legislation regarding human rights or freedoms. Now, this is slightly alarming because of its completely unregulated nature. Um, not only is it dangerous being the state of Washington, but the way law works is that once one law has been put in place, it can be considered a precedent. Even if you're not in the same territory or even the same country, a smart lawyer can point to it and say, this has been established in a society similar to our own, and in similar circumstances, the law has been interpreted in such and such a way. Therefore, in this case, I would like the judge to consider ruling in a similar manner.
So in future, this unlimited surrogacy law could very easily spread across the Western world. And without any sort of rider protecting the rights of the mother or the child, or indeed anybody involved in the process, it's something seriously to be considered. We've always seen that the Illuminati has ways to make you disappear, but now they have a way to make sure that even a birth is a non-event. It's simply a contract. A fetus, for lack of better, is sold for whatever the market will bear. And there is a lot of demand for fetuses, whether inside the womb or fully born, all over the world. Whatever, whatever race, creed, whatever the mother might be, is not even a consideration. Now this law and the fact that the criminal globalist oligopolies can operate in a supranational fashion, which means beyond borders, indicate that the world is moving beyond the idea that the government can protect you. They're dropping the facade. It's no longer even about the fact that you can rely on your, your rights to life, liberty, and freedom, security of the person, and anything else that's guaranteed under the Charter, because now you can be bought and sold before you are even born. As a matter of fact, before you are even conceived, the contract can be drawn up. So, whether you're a child, grown up, or literally anywhere in the world, there's a place you can be hidden and have your rights taken away. You can either jump on board, be taken, or disposed of. And this has been the pattern that's been going since at least the 1980s and possibly before, and it keeps accelerating worse. And remember, we're not talking about a mobster movie or a spy thriller. This is real life we're talking about, the world that you and I inhabit. There are secret powers, secret organizations, and they pull the strings on everyday life. Remember a long time ago we were talking about Elon Musk and his intentions of colonizing Mars? From the looks of things, when scientists started disappearing, perhaps others have been working on this goal for much, much longer. The Russians do not speak about their missing scientists, but they don't publish their missing figures in general, so perhaps they know something we don't. This is a very frightening world that we live in, one where you and I can be erased from existence, even with people who remember us, purchase records, and any other way that you can possibly trace someone. Now, perhaps the Mandela effect can be partially explained by this attempt to alter history and erase people, because we can't change one thing without disrupting everything else. Now, we will go into Ma the Mandela effect in detail on a future show, but for now it's, to hi it's necessary to highlight the peril we are all in with assassinations, disappearances, and legislation that could put you and your family in danger. Now, to end the show, as is our tradition, we always say thank you to Pipe Choir for providing our intro music, Stand Up, as that is a central music to our show, to stand up with your, for yourself. With knowledge, you have the power to set yourself free. And if there's one thing that this show can do for you, that is the one thing it will do. And a reminder, 
<coughs> that Cemetery Island by Jeff Williams is on sale from Amazon Kindle. It's available now. It's a sinister story about a young man who finds himself in the clutches of a mental health establishment and discovers that the treatments that are offered conceal a horrifying reality. There's also The Secrets of Solomon by Jeff Williams, which is on sale again from Amazon Kindle, and it's an expose on the hidden life of King Solomon. We go beyond the evidence of the Bible to explain the forces that shaped Israel's most revered king. Now, thanks out to A View From Space Facebook group for their continued support. Your contributions are always valuable. And thanks again to Spooky, Weird, and Cool, who have always been fantastic supporters to this of this show. And most importantly, thank you for inviting us into your home tonight. <laughs>